Great. Well, we've been, as you know, working our way through the book of Luke. And today, why don't you tell your mate we're up to chapter 8. Sorry, I just couldn't help myself there. And you can find uh, the story on, in Luke 8, also in Matthew 8. That was one of Luke's mates. And, sorry. <laughs> and I'll stop it there. And uh, you can also find it in Mark 4. You can just open that door. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Luke 8, we better get back to Luke 8. This is the story of the parable of um, the, the good of the sower, and um, you know where, where Jesus tells this parable. And I've, I've got to tell my own parable to start it with, um, but I probably should start with Jesus's one first, I guess. So we'll do that. So reading at Luke eight chapter four, uh, chapter eight verses four to fifteen. One day Jesus told a story in the form of the parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. That seems to be a common theme uh, in Jesus' ministry, is that crowds of people uh, gathered around him wherever he was. They wanted to hear the words of life and, of course, to see and to receive healing um, power through him. Uh, verse 5, a farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered across his field, some f- seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plants soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and withered and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as he had, had been planted. That's good, isn't it? A hundred times as much. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while then, when, then fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, huge harvest. That's my favourite word in that parable, is a huge harvest. Do you want to hear my little parable? Okay, do you? Okay, thank you. So I was about 9 or 10, 11 or 12, somewhere around there. 
And my dad, like a, a number of other of the dads down my neighbourhood where we lived in Palmerston North, had huge gardens. And this would be no exaggeration, but my dad's garden would probably be from here to the wall and about as wide out to the edge of uh, the seats there. It was a large garden, and my friends' dads had similar-sized gardens. And my dad would take great pride um, in having an evening meal and saying um, to my mum, uh, her name was Aileen. Aileen, where did those potatoes come from? Uh, your, your garden. Uh, where, did, where did the carrots come from? Oh, your, your, my garden, yeah, yeah. And the peas, oh, they were from my garden too. And every vegetable on the plate was from my dad's garden. The only thing that wasn't from the garden was from the chicken. You know, that was from the... Yeah, probably eating out of my dad's garden. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, my dad would give me a pack of peas, peas most years to sow. And uh, when I first began to plant them, um, I used to become quite impatient why he took so long to prepare the soil. But once the soil was prepared, there he'd lay a line and we'd dig um, a little um, trench, if you like, and we'd place these seeds um, in the garden and cover them over and water them. And then I would excitedly go to bed that night dreaming about peas sprouting over the evening. And of course, I'd go out in the morning and there was no peas to be seen, so I would just dig in the ground. Oh, yeah, the seed's just the same. Nothing's happening. And so this would go on for a week or so, and my dad would say, be patient. And, of course, then the day that I saw them, when I did dig them up, there was a little bit of a sprout. And I'd go, great, but because I wasn't that careful, I'd break the sprout, and I'd lose all these peas. And so my row that may have been as long as a form ended up being half the length of it, because I destroyed half of these pea seeds. And I'm sure you've probably done similar things as well. But here's the thing. Everything starts from a seed. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say that? Everything starts from a seed. You started from a seed, and so did I in our mother's wombs. A tree starts from a seed. A carrot starts from a seed. Animals start from seeds in their mother's wombs. And um, the process of sowing is how people have farmed for thousands of years, and they still do. And so in Luke uh, 8, 5, we read, A farmer went out to plant a seed and he scattered across the field. In ancient times, in some parts of the world, they still do it today, they have a knapsack um, slung over their shoulder, filled with seed, and they place their hand into the seed, and they just simply throw the seed out onto the ground. And it's called because it's thrown out far and wide, it's called broadcasting. It's not aimed in any particular area. The seed is broadcasted out and some of it goes on paths. Some of the seed goes on stony ground. Some of the seed goes on ground with weeds in it. And other uh, cases, the seed goes on good soil. And so it's termed broadcasting. And in media today, the term broadcasting comes from this agricultural term. Isn't that interesting? As opposed to narrow casting, which is a very targeted approach of where you actually sow the seed. So <clears throat> the seed would be sown through a broadcasting approach, and it's a kingdom principle that God has established, that everything starts with a seed, and it impacts our relationship with God, it impacts our relationships uh, in our families, in our places of work, it impacts our legacy around our talents and abilities and so on and so forth. In Galatians 6 verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Everything starts with a seed. The biggest cowrie tree in New Zealand, Tāne Mehutara in, in Northland, started from a seed. It's about 1,200 to 1,250 years old, scientists believe. Its girth is 15 metres, it's 45 metres high. It started with a seed. In fact, the, the cowrie forests in Northland started with a seed and over thousands of years, you reproduce a forest. In fact, the biggest tree in the world is a, a Californian redwood. Guess how high that is? Really high, that's a good answer. It's really, really high. It's really, really huge. It started with, what did it start with? A seed, a really, really small seed about the size of a piece of pepper. And it grows, the biggest tree, biggest redwood is 115 metres high in the air. That is very, very high. And here's the thing. We can all count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God knows the number of apples in a seed. Because every seed has exponential potential. So here's my question to you this morning. Um, What are you reaping? What are you harvesting from what you've sown in your life? If you were to do an audit, I'm sure there's many good things you're harvesting from your life. But there would also be one or two things that are not so good. And I, I can tell you, I have some things that are not too good. And I had an example of this yesterday. And uh, it's been going on for a little while. Don't look too worried. It's okay. One of the things that I harvest with my relationship with Wendy is that I, whatever she says, I take very literally. <coughs> and so yesterday, Wendy said, can you please get the sheets off the clothesline? Sure, I'll go and get the sheets off the clothesline. That's what I did. Then about half an hour later, as Wendy is going out on the back lawn, and there she sees the, the clothesline. And it's got towels and socks and pillow slips still on the clothesline. And she said to me, I asked you to get the clothes and the clothesline. I said, you only asked me to get the sheets. <laughs> so I went out and got the rest of the clothes. I did a step better though. We didn't ask for this, but I got the clothes basket as well that was on the ground. And she was watching me out the window while I was doing this. I didn't realise it. She was checking to see if I'd get all those clothes. And, she's, and then she said, yes, you did well, didn't you? You got that clothes basket. Well, I thought I'm improving. I can interpret it more than the literal thing with my wife. And of course, this has been going on for some time. I, I've told the story before, but for those of you that don't know it, about three Easter's ago, Wendy um, asked me to put the chicken in the oven. So we went to church, we'd go home and we'd enjoy nice roast chicken. So as she was coming through the door, my daughters were with her. And Wendy said, oh, I just can't wait to walk through that front door and smell the roast chicken with the roast vegetables. It's going to be awesome. And... Uh, she walks through the front door. <laughs> Can't smell a thing. <laughs> and she said to me, I asked you to turn the oven on. I said, no, all you asked me to do was put the chicken in the oven. And that's what I did. So as you can see, we reap what we sow. And uh, I've got a bit of work to do on that area. But anyway... It's all good fun. It's all good fun. 
The good thing is about that when you do a, an audit on what you're reaping, things are positive, that's good, things that are negative, you can make a difference about that today. If you look at something in your life and you go, I'm not happy about it, you can go, I can make a difference today. And there's a story of a man who you will know a little bit of, about, I'm sure, a Swedish chemist by the name of Alfred Nobel. This was in the 19th century. He awoke one morning to read in the newspaper in the obituary notices, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, he did invent dynamite, died yesterday, devised a way to kill more people in war than ever before, and died a very rich man. But actually it was Alfred's older brother that had died, and the reporter had made a mistake. But that account, that record in the newspaper, had a huge impact on Alfred. And he said, from that moment, I'm going to change my legacy. And so rather than going on and being known for inventing dynamite, for which he was known for, he actually established what was to become known as the Nobel Prize and awards scientists and writers who foster peace and the advancement of science. Nobel said this, every man ought to have the chance to correct his eulogy in midstream and write a new one. Isn't that a great statement? Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, it all starts with a seed. So what are you planting? What are you planting and are you planting good seed? Everything starts with a seed. Every idea, every dream, every business that is built starts with a seed thought. Every building that is dreamed starts as a seed. Every forest, every tree starts as a seed. Every human life starts as a seed. It all starts that way because in Genesis 1, verses 11 and 12, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land and bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God has designed that everything starts with a seed. Job 8.7 carries the same thought. And though you started with little, a little seed, a little thought, a little money, a little idea, a little talent, and though you started with little, you will end with much. Everything starts with a seed. Here's the second law. Nothing happens until the seed is planted. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, nothing happens till the seed is planted. And turn to the neighbour on the other side and say, nothing happens until the seed is planted. Do you know, I've never heard a seed farmer complain about an empty field not bearing a harvest if he hasn't planted his seed into the paddock. So a, farmer, a grain farmer, a corn farmer, a wheat, barley, a barley farmer will have... Um, a barn full of seed, and then he'll go out and he'll plant his seed because he knows that nothing will happen in that field. Nothing will be, re- be um, produced until the seed is planted. It needs to be planted. Who would ever like to get a return from planting nothing? Because I think sometimes that's how we think. I think we should, you know, we can think, well, we should get a return when we haven't planted anything. 
But it's very clear we need to plant things to get a return from what we've planted. So the good farmer, he sees the empty field and he plants in it. He doesn't pray about it. He doesn't moan about it. He doesn't murmur about it. He gets out there and he plants seed. And so I want to really encourage you. When I was younger in my Christian walk, I used to think it was really godly. And there is a place, don't misunderstand me with this. We, in my early 20s, early 20s, the thought was you just got to wait on God. Now, there, there is a place for this. Please don't misunderstand me. But sometimes waiting on God can just be an excuse for not going out and planting seed. You need to get out there and plant seed. Let me give you an example. My son was looking for a job after school. He wanted to be an auto electrician. And <clears throat> we prayed about it, which was good. And we can just pray and sit and wait. Or you can pray, pray which is good, and now go and plant seed. And here was the seed going, and I phoned up on his behalf every auto electrician in Hamilton, Cambridge, Tiawamudu, and most of them in Matamata. And we had two opportunities for which one of them he got a job. And I thank God that we planted the seed, we planted the seed thought in these potential employers, and a couple of them said yes. And so I want to really encourage you where do you need to be planting seed? Because nothing happens until you plant a seed. Nothing happens. We need to plant seeds. I remember what uh, Dylan Long, who was here about four weeks ago, he said every day he tells somebody Jesus loves him. Jesus loves them. What is he doing? He is planting seeds. And sooner or later, those seeds are going to give a harvest. And so every day he's doing that. And it's just a matter of time when he plants those seeds, there will be a harvest that came, comes back from them. And he shared the story that one day he hadn't shared that with anybody. And maybe it was at 10 or 11 at night, I can't quite remember, Jay. It was late in the evening. He went out walking the city or the town where he was. Uh, he walked for some time, couldn't find a person. Then he sees a guy in the garage and yells out to him, hey, Jesus loves you. What's he done? He's planted a seed. Little did Dylan know, earlier that day, two other people, I believe, had said the same thing. Jesus loves him. And then they struck up a conversation, and I think he gave his life to the Lord. Is that right? So isn't that amazing? He planted the seed. Would that have happened if the seed hadn't have been planted? It would not. If he was praying for the seed to be planted, would it have happened? No, he needed to go out and plant the seed. And so I want to encourage us, let's be people that focus and look at the seed that we can go and need to plant. Law number three, turn to your neighbour and say this, whatever I sow, that's what I reap. Whatever I sow, that's what I reap. The farmer who sows wheat expects, in fact, only to get wheat, doesn't he? He would never expect to plant beans or we'd never expect to plant beans in our garden um, and get carrots or to plant parsnip. Who likes parsnip? Yeah, I do too. I think it's delicious. If you've got parsnip in your garden and you've got too much, just remember Ray loves parsnip with carrots. Uh, I like peas too. That's true. But you expect to harvest what you sow. We'd never expect to get corn from grapes or grapes from corn. We'd never expect to get carrots from potatoes. Fish reproduce baby fish. 
Lions and zebras and elephants reproduce the same. Why? Because God has ordained it this way. Genesis 1.12, And the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seed produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. In verse 24 of Genesis 1, Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. Everything starts from a seed, and we reap what we sow. This works for you positively, and it works for you negatively. If you go and sow kindness to others, what will you reap back? Kindness. If you go and show grace to others, what will you reap back? Grace. If you go anger and distrust to others, what will you get back? Anger and distrust. If I'm generous to others, what will I receive and return, generosity shown back to me. If I'm critical and judgmental of others, what will come back my way? I will reap what I sow. Proverbs 26, 27 says, if you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourselves. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. Hosea 10, 13, but you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. That same thing, what you plant is what you reap. And so it's really important to realize we always harvest what we sow. You can't expect to reap um, responsibilities and success if you sow irresponsibility. You can't expect to have a peaceful environment if you sow discord. I think you know the story of Jacob in the Bible where he cheated his father and his brother and guess what? Later in his life, he was cheated out of his wife from his father-in-law. And also in the book of Esther is the story of Haman who builds gallows where he wants to hang um, Mordecai, the Jew. What happens? It turns all the way back around him and Haman himself gets hung on the very gallows he built. Here's the principle. You sow a thought, you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. Whatever you give out, you are going to get back. Interesting, eh? Here's the next one. This may surprise you. You are not the only sower in your life. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're not the only sower in your life. It might pay to share that with the other one on the other side. You're not the only sower in your life. Other people sow into our lives. Those particularly in close relationships with us, our parents, our grandparents, what they have sown impacts on our lives. What those... uh, People that have gone before us that activate church, that have sown and invested financially, uh, prayerfully, we're reaping the benefit of today. And praise God for those that have gone before us. And praise God, we're laying the foundation in terms of what we're sowing today for those that are coming in the future, those that are yet to be here. And I don't know about you, but I want to really sow well for that. I really want to see us sowing well today. We came to work, not work, church today in cars. Somebody, somebody had a, a seed thought about a motor car 130 years ago. 
Somebody had a seed thought about putting asphalt on a road and we reap the benefit and don't even think about it. The ideas and dreams of yesterday where people have sowed in their creativity uh, and ideas and energy has enabled us to enjoy it today. So the the same thing is true of the positive things, so it's true of negative things. You may have grown up in a family where alcohol has been a problem over generations. You may have grown up in a family where addictions may have been an issue, or maybe you're abuse of one sort or another. But like Alfred Nobel, where he said, I'm going to change midstream, praise God. The glory of God is to say we can change things midstream and have a legacy for the glory of God. I think that's amazing. And legacies are an outcome of the seeds that we show. There was a a pastor, an educator, a researcher in the early 19th century. His name was um, Arthur Winship. And he studied two families from the 1700s. One family was the um, Edwards family, Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. Uh, Jonathan was a, a Puritan preacher and his wife was a very godly woman. They had 11 children and um, Arthur Winship studied their outcome of their family. And this is what he had found um, also when he did the research of another guy called Max Jukes and looked at his legacy. He was in prison, um, a criminal, and they studied the legacy of his family. And they were born around um, the early to mid-1700s, and out of Max Jukes, Uh, until the 1900s. This is the legacy of his descendants. There were about 1,200 descendants. There were seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol and other substances. Of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. And it's not to sit in judgment or stand in judgment. It's the principle of what we sow and what we reap. And I think about each one of those people, a valuable person in the kingdom of God, that if somebody came along and said, how can I sow and help you sow better seed for your legacy? Here's Jonathan and Sarah Edwards' legacy. One U.S. vice president, one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public officers, 100 lawyers, 100 pastors, and 285 college graduates. Isn't that amazing? The legacy of sowing. And here's the thing, wherever people find themselves, our legacy is to be able to go, we can stand in the gap and help people change their legacy today if it's a negative one and help get them on a, on a track that glorifies God by sowing the right seed. And that's why we have Community Link. That's why we have ATC and other things to help change the destinies of people going forward. Isn't that a good thing? Praise God for that. Jesus said it this way in John 4.38, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work and now you will gather the harvest. There are others around us that have sown and we are reaping what's happening in their lives around us. The question is, what are we sowing today that's going to impact the generations tomorrow? 
I'll never um, forget this, and I've shared this before, but I, I want to share it again because I think it's really helpful. And I want to encourage you, mums and dads, to maybe consider doing this if you're not. Uh, when I was, um, when my boys uh, were uh, young teenagers, around 12, 13, 14, I was very busy at the time. I was conscious that um, there was this emotional distance between us. I wasn't happy with it, but it was there. And I thought, I've got to do something about it. Because if I don't, the distance can only grow and get greater. So what am I going to do to draw things closer? So I discussed it with Wendy. We had a good chat. And we decided we were going to do weekly date nights. And we were going to record what we uh, did in our date nights as a family in a book. The only problem was it was a green book. And uh, when that book is used up, it's almost used up, it's going to go and be a blue book. So hallelujah for blue books, and I'm looking forward to that day. I know you're like that, Jay, a blue book rather than a green one. So, um, But what we started off, we would do an activity. It might play uh, Monopoly. It might go out to the movies, whatever it might be. We record that in our book, and, the lead, and we would appoint a leader um, that evening who would lead um, what we were doing. And then we'd write, each person would share two or three things that they're grateful for. And of uh, course, gratitude is a big value for me and Wendy. And so uh, my boys, who weren't very enthusiastic about this at the time, would say, uh, we are grateful for um, peas and carrots. Oh, great. Peas and carrots. Yeah, okay. And well, I'm grateful for your mum. <laughs> or they might say they're grateful for um, hay and straw. And uh, I thought, it's really important, don't react to it. But the legacy of this, we still continue this today. And when we have uh, what we're grateful for and expressing thanks to one another, no longer is it peas and carrots. They're very um, heartfelt, mature statements. And I'm going, that is the outcome of a seed that was planted seven or eight years ago. And I don't want you to think, hey, we're perfect because we're not because, you know, I get things mixed up with washing and uh, that's only the surface of it, I can tell you that. So, um, but I want to really encourage you to consider how you can invest in your family relationships to go forward for another generation. I look at my mum, she invested in my life every day. I cannot think of a day where she didn't say to me, she'd say Raymond, she wouldn't say Ray. Um, She'd say, Raymond, I love you. And and those words would go into me and I'd go, I know, I feel it and I like it. And so, you know, we say that to our children, and it's so wonderful to see my daughters saying to their children every day, I love you. And I go, that's a legacy from my mum. Maybe her mother said it to her, I don't know. But it's just great to see that legacy coming through. And I'm sure you have the very same things in your families as well. So I really encourage you to consider them and plant those seeds. Um, because you'd certainly do reap um, from them. The other thing about fruit with this, it takes time, doesn't it? And you don't want to pick the fruit too early. Um, I think about going back to the peas. When those peas were planted, you know, you get the pods formed, and they're not formed fully. But, you know, as a kid, I used to pick them before they were fully done, because I wanted to enjoy them. And we need to let the fruit harvest and come to fullness before we enjoy uh, endure it. Enjoy it. Okay, here's the next law. Turn to your neighbour. You will always reap more than you sow. 
turn to the neighbour on the other side, you will always reap more than you sow. This is the principle of multiplication, and it's true positively, and it's true negatively. If you plant one seed of corn, you will produce hundreds of seeds of corn. It's exponential potential, and this is God's principle, and it applies positively, and it applies negatively. And so I want to encourage us that when we plant seed, when we sow seed, expect to harvest. You will produce a lot more of it, both positively and negatively. And the thing is I love about planting God's seed, God's seed is perfect, Absolutely perfect. It says in Proverbs 30 verse 5, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. James 3.18 And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are constantly planting seeds through the words that we say, the attitudes that we share. We are planting, we are reaping, and it's in the order of the amount of seed that we plant. Here's the next law. Turn to your neighbour and say, I can increase my harvest by implanting more seed. Just plant more peas, you're going to get more peas. This is the law of proportion. We reap in proportion to the amount we have sown. If we sow a little, we're going to reap a little. If we sow a lot, we're going to reap a lot. If you don't sow anything, what are you going to reap? Nothing. And here's the crazy thing. People expect to reap things when they've sown nothing. It just doesn't work. It's a fundamental principle. It's a primary principle of the kingdom of God. And if you might say, well, look, I don't have many friends. What do you need to do? You need to plant attitudes of friendship. Because if you plant them, if you plant lots of them, what will you get back? Friends. I, I, I like talking to people. Some people think I talk too much, but, but I like talking to people. Guess what? People like talking, well, most people. Most people like talking to me. And it's because it's reaping what we sow. And I know if I connect and, and show unconditional love to people, what will I receive back? Unconditional love. And mums and dads, I want to really encourage you, sow trust into your children because what will you reap back from your children? Trust. You can have an attitude of distrust. What will you reap back? Distrust. Trust. I'd rather have an attitude of trusting people, of trusting my children. And if it comes back at times where that's been disappointed, I'd rather be disappointed for trusting than being proved right for distrusting. And so we reap in proportion to in every area where our tithing, our investments, our family, our relationships, our works, our talents, and so on and so forth. This is 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 9 in the Passion Translation. I love this scripture. Here's my poor saying. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves a hilarious 
It loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do, just as the Scriptures say about the one who trusts in Him. Because He has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, His kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. Isn't that awesome? As he is sown, so he is reaping. You cannot outgive God. And, it's not because, and that scripture is in reference to money, but God doesn't need your money. What God needs is your heart. And your money represents your heart. And when you sow that into God and you sow it with a generous attitude, when you release your heart, the soil of who you are, God's word goes into and it germinates. And here's the thing. Some seeds, they grow into to other grains like wheat and barley. Other seeds grow into trees. And if you've got your Bibles with you, oh, I didn't share this in the nine, but let's, let's go into Psalm 1, chapter 1. Here we go. And this is the process of taking a seed and growing. The seed is the word of God and growing it into a tree. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Guess what? They've planted their seeds, haven't they? Those people in terms of where they're sitting, where they're standing. But here's the one who is blessed, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted of streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not weather. Whatever they do prospers. And here's the principle. Everything starts as a seed. That tree that's mentioned in that scripture is the maturity of a seed that is growing. How did that seed grow? The psalmist is saying this is how it's done. Meditating day and night on the Word of God, allowing the flawless, perfect Word to sit into our heart, meditate, think, draw upon the water of the Spirit. That seed grows into a tree that will then produce fruit that will feed and bless others. That takes time. That's a process. That doesn't happen overnight. And so I want to encourage us, what is the tree that you're growing, or the trees that you're growing. Because in Genesis 1, we read where God says in Genesis 1, 11 and 12, God planted seeds. What's really, really interesting, I find, when you go to Revelations 22, so here's the beginning of the Bible where God says, everything starts with a seed. Guess what happens in Revelations 22 at the very end of the Bible? There are trees planted by the river of life bearing fruit, healing for the nations. And what God is saying, the seed process, what God desires in your life, in my life, in our church community, in our workplaces, in our families, is the maturation process. There is a tree of life that shelters and blesses others. And the process to get into that tree is to take the perfect Word of God, let it be planted and meditate and pray and let it grow in your life. I've shared this story before, but this is a profound one. 
And it's a really important one. And I want to encourage you, you know, in, in Romans 12, 14, it says, bless those that curse. I notice when people get um, into altercations with others, rather than blessing them, they fight with them. They argue. They go and gossip behind their backs. But that scripture is saying, bless. Now, this is what, where Jesus' parable really kicks in. Here's the seed, the word of God. Bless those that curse. When you hear those words, does it fall on hard ground in your heart where you go, no, I'm not doing that? Or does it fall on the ground that goes, yeah, I like that, but when the pressure comes in, no, I can't. Or does it fall on ground where other pressures come in and around another company and go, yeah, they're complaining about other people, so I will go and do that. Or does it fall on the good seal and goes, I'm holding that word. I'm going to bless in season and out of season because I'm going to reap a harvest from sowing these seeds. And so when that word comes in, Jesus is invite. what he's really saying, do you allow the perfect word of God to sit in a soft heart and grow and develop into the tree or the trees that he desires it to be? I'll just get my screen back. You ready for the second to last law? Here it is. Tell your neighbour, the time to start planting is now. Just say now to the other neighbour. Just say it to the other one as well. Now, tell them you should have done it yesterday. Okay, you can't do that. You cannot change the harvest of yesterday. You cannot change the planting of yesterday. But you can change and determine what seed you're going to sow today. You can determine it. And seed... There's another way of looking at it. Is anything, what do I value? If I value wisdom, am I giving it away? I value love, and I'm sowing in somebody else. If I value honesty, am I sowing it in somebody else? If I need money, am I sowing money where God wants me to sow it? If I need time, am I investing time into others? Plant these things today. Do not delay. Some people say, well, look, I need to wait for a better day. I need to wait when I've got more money. I need to wait when I've got things sorted out. I need to wait when I know what, when Wendy says to pull in the washing, I can pull on the whole lot. I, but God is saying, don't delay, because if you delay your sowing, what are you actually delaying? You're delaying your reaping. You're delaying your harvesting. Don't delay the opportunity to harvest. In Ecclesiastes 11.4, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watched every cloud, they would never harvest. So today is the day to plant. Planting seeds of life with your words. Planting seeds of faith. Planting the seeds of the gospel as uh, we heard from Dylan Long about four or five weeks ago, telling every, uh, a person every day that Jesus loves them, taking the opportunity to share the good news. He knows that as he plants those seeds, he will reap them. <clears throat> we know as we tell um, positive things to other people, we will reap the, the benefit of those uh, words. And here's the last law I'm going to share with you. 
To reap the harvest, I need to be patient and not give up. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, be patient and don't give up. I don't think they really heard it. Why don't you tell them again, be patient and don't give up. Just like I needed to learn with that peace story, I needed to learn patience. In Mark 4, 26 to 29, Jesus said, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scattered seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. The seed never stops growing, never stops working. When you think nothing is happening, God is working on your behalf. He is. He is well able and working on your behalf. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. The results will come for your harvest, but you've got to be patient. It's a process, and God has designed it to be a process. We live in a pretty instant society. I remember when Wendy and I were first married, we bought a microwave. It cost just about all our money. I think it was, was it $1,100 or something? Yeah. It was a lot of money. And if you were a young couple, you had really made it if you had had a microwave and Tamuka pots to put in it as well. At least that's the way it was in the manner too. But results come slowly. Fruit takes time to mature. And, um, you know, my, my son's place, he's got this lovely orange tree. And um, these oranges have been on it ripe for about six or seven weeks. And so we go out, first of all, we saw them ripe and take an orange, cut it up. It's really sour to the taste. It's only now that the fruit is tasting really sweet. So things take time. And we need to be patient. We need to be patient. And we need to persevere. And we need to encourage one another to persevere. Here's what Galatians 6 verse 9 says. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You know, I know in my own life, I have cut short the harvest that I could have had because of my impatience. And we need to be patient and we need to understand the process of sowing and reaping, that this is a kingdom principle. This is so fundamental to the kingdom of God, sowing and reaping and these laws. And there's others as well. We haven't got time to go over all of them. But finally, I want to conclude with this. is uh, In John 12, 24, the greatest example of, of the seed is Jesus himself. Jesus said, my word is the seed. And so I want to encourage you every day, take the seed into your heart. And and, in Psalm 1, is to meditate on it, to allow it to grow, to allow it to mature, to allow it to work out. 
You need to be patient to see the fruitfulness of it. But as you pray and support and encourage one another and apply these laws, you will certainly see it. In John chapter 12 and verse 24, Jesus said very truly, um, I say to you. So he's emphasizing this as an absolute fundamental principle of the kingdom. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, and it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What Jesus is saying, a kernel of wheat must fall to the ground and die. He is speaking of his own death. And so the whole principle of the seed, Jesus, the Word of God, He brings it right back to Himself and says, I am the seed. I am the ultimate seed. And I was laid in a tomb. I was laid in the ground. And while I was asleep, as we read uh, in Mark 4, God was at work while Jesus lay in that tomb. And the Holy Spirit rose Him from the dead. On the third day, the first fruits, as we read about in the scriptures. And this is the beautiful thing about the seed. When we do it God's way, when we lay our lives into his hands, we can be absolutely confident in the resurrection power of Jesus to bring forth his life and his harvest. And so I want to encourage you, church, let's be a people that know and understand the principle of the seed the sowing and reaping. And the ultimate expression of this is Jesus himself placing our trust in his word and planting those seeds and through patience seeing the harvest come. Isn't that an exciting opportunity before us? What seeds do you need to go and plant now? Are they some seeds of kindness? Are they the seeds of sharing the good news of Jesus? Are they the seeds of taking a cake or... um, calling into a neighbour, spending some time having a coffee with them to encourage them? Are they seeds of encouragement for your children or for an elderly person or whatever it might be? But I want to encourage you to be consistent in sowing the seed because there's a great harvest that Jesus has for us. And this is fundamental in our journey with Jesus. And if we think that we can reap things that we haven't sown or trying to change uh, the, the, the fruit from what we've sown, we're just deceiving ourselves. As it says in Galatians 6, God has not mocked what a man sows, what a person sows, that is what they will reap. God bless you. It's been great sharing with you this morning.